frankly, part of adulting is at times doing things we don't always want to, either for a greater good or a higher purpose or because it needs to be done. And that's our job. However, it should not be that in every single area of your life and certainly of your work that you're just pushing through torturously bearing all of it all the time for years with no end in sight. And at the end of the day, the concept of congruence and its opposite, incongruence, can be boiled down to two words. Hello, and welcome to Congruent Conversations, the career transition podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Dunbar. Let's get started. In today's episode, I'm digging into the subject of congruence, what it is, why it matters, and what's at the root. I'm also going to do a mini case study exercise with you today. I can't wait to dive into that. And I've got another coaching nugget for you. This one is about something that might surprise you that if left unchecked can absolutely derail your professional success. I want to start with a subject I'm extremely passionate about. So passionate, in fact, that I named my company after it. And that subject is congruence. People that know me well know that I love words. Always have. As a kid, I was always reading some story and getting lost in the pages and characters. That passion hasn't left me. It's now just taken on new forms as technology has changed. But powerful words, spoken or written, are timeless. In fact, there's an ancient Bible quote that says the power of life and death is in the tongue. The words that we speak have the ability to encourage someone to the height of their potential or discourage them, tear them down, and strip them from all emotional strength, mental strength, and self-confidence. Yeah, words are important, very important. They have consequences, and how we use them matters. So let's start with a little vocabulary to really define some of the terms I'll be discussing so that we're all comfortable with the concepts I'm sharing today. Let's define congruent. For this, I went to two sources, Merriam-Webster Dictionary and dictionary.com. The first definition comes from math. If when you heard the word congruent, you immediately had a flashback to high school geometry, you're not wrong. The math definition of congruent is relating to geometric figures that have the same size and shape. Two triangles are congruent, for example, if their sides are of the same length and their internal angles are of the same measure. Now that's fine, but that's not the definition I'm really concerned with today. I'm more interested in the other definitions of this word, particularly the one from psychology. Here are the other definitions. The state achieved by coming together, the state of agreement. Another definition, the quality of agreeing or corresponding, being suitable and appropriate. Here's the definition from psychology. Rapport within oneself, internal, and external consistency. The word rapport, I think, is worth defining as well. This is relation characterized by harmony, conformity, accord, or affinity. Now, with these words in the back of your mind, 
Let me now share with you the definition of congruence that I established in my company over 10 years ago. My definition, Congruency International's definition is as follows. Living in your sweet spot. When your greatest strengths, natural talents, and divine gifts show up more frequently in every area of your life. Meanwhile, your weaknesses and non-talents are less dominant in your life if they appear at all. Living in your sweet spot means that there is little internal resistance as you pursue your work or you build your business. To use an analogy from basketball, it's nothing but net, swoosh, every time. Now, don't mishear me. Sweet spot living, congruent living, does not mean that you don't put forth an effort or work hard, and it doesn't mean that every day is sunshine and roses either, but that negative, dragging your feet feeling, the feeling of toil and drudgery that we get when we're about to do something we hate, is absent, totally absent. So if that's congruence, then what's its opposite? Well, quite simply stated, it's incongruent or incongruence, if you prefer. Let's define that as well. Incongruent, not congruent. This comes from the World English Dictionary. Incompatible with what is suitable or inappropriate. Not harmonious, incompatible, again. Another definition, not conforming or disagreeing. This one's probably my favorite definition. Inconsistent within itself. And then the final one, lacking propriety, unsuitable. Since I gave my definition of congruence a few moments ago, now let me give you my definition, Congruency International's definition of incongruent in the context of your professional life. Living in drudgery and toil. When you rely only and solely on your ability to strengthen a personal weakness in order to build your business or advance your career. When you discount your strengths, natural talents, and divine gifts over an extended period of time in order to build your weaknesses and non-talents. When your work or business success relies heavily on skills, activities, and things that you do not like and you do not value. Anyone who has ever had a performance review for a job knows what I'm talking about here. You know there's typically a part that hones in on your weaknesses. And in the most serious cases, an action plan or development plan is built to help you to improve your weaknesses. Hmm. Now, I hope it goes without saying that in no way am I suggesting that every area of life is awesome all the time. That, that's not a thing, right? Frankly, part of adulting is at times doing things we don't always want to do for a greater good or a higher purpose or because it needs to be done and that's our job. However, it should not be that in every single area of your life and certainly of your work that you're just pushing through, torturously bearing all of it all the time for years with no end in sight. At the end of the day, the concept of congruence and its opposite, incongruence, can be boiled down to two words, values and strengths. So why does incongruence show up in our lives at all? Well, this is not exhaustive, but I'm going to outline four possible reasons. Reason number one, other people. Reason number two, blurry vision. Reason number three, blindness and deafness. And number four, building weaknesses. 
Let's dig in a little bit more. The first reason that we can operate in incongruence is other people. It could be that you're living up to someone else's dream or living up to someone else's expectations. Now, an overbearing parent-child relationship may immediately come to mind, but that's not the only type of relationship that applies here. Beyond that, we can slip into incongruence trying to live up to one of these other important relationships. The first one could be a significant mentor or a role model. It could be a coach in the athletic arena. It could be a boss on your job. For my startup founders, my entrepreneurs, it could be an angel investor or a VC group that you're trying to attract and you're trying to pretzel yourself and your business into whatever it is they need to see to give you whatever check you feel like you need in order to execute your dream. Anyone you admire or you feel obligated to impress could, if unchecked, pull you into incongruence. Another reason other people are connected to incongruence could be through our friendships, through social groups. If you've ever heard the saying, keeping up with the Joneses, this is what that applies to here. Here's a third reason. It could be the culture of the organization that you're a part of. If you work in an organization where cutthroat behavior is promoted, literally and figuratively, if you don't have a value system that anchors you, you will drift and morph into someone who does the same things that you were once appalled by. If you have spent any time in corporate America or in any major corporation, regardless of your country, you know what I am talking about. A fourth reason connected to other people could be social media images. In our world today, at some point in any given week, you can find something about social media and the influence it has on society in general, but particularly our younger adults. Not only our kids and teens though, because when you think about it, in so many areas of life, people are trying to live up to the image of an influencer and their perfectly curated IG or LinkedIn profile that may look nothing like the day-to-day -day reality of the average human. And the fifth one, romantic relationships. You know, even romantic relationships can potentially have an impact on someone's image, how they see themselves and their value. Okay, we just reviewed one reason for incongruence. It could be rooted in other people. The second reason that we can operate in incongruence is blurry vision. This is when we've lost sight of our personal values, what's truly important to us. Instead, we adopt one of the following, either society's values, maybe even again, social media's values. We can latch on to external values of achievement and external trappings of success in a particular area, specifically work or business, without actually noticing what it's doing to you. What immediately comes to mind for me is the grind and hustle culture of small business, startup, entrepreneurship, and the like that is really promoted on social media. This idea also of always being on at all times with no break. Is there a place for that in entrepreneurship? To a certain extent, but this constant pressure to never end is just not realistic for the average human. Number two, even something good, like a cause or a value that we have connected to a social justice topic or a social cause, a social issue, environmental, whatever that may be, even good causes when left unchecked can cause us to lose sight of what's important. 
And I think immediately to one of the first nonprofit organizations I've ever worked in. And I remember hearing not necessarily someone from the organization, but in the circles within that nonprofit community, the saying that I'd never heard before, I'd rather burn out than rust out. And I thought to myself, neither one of those sound awesome. <laughs> Why do I want to be either of those? Why Are those my only two options when I'm doing something good, burning out or rusting out? Hmm, maybe we need some more options. Number three reason behind blurry vision is achievement highs. Now there's a certain rush to achievement to status and that's not necessarily bad, but it is easy to get swept away in, especially if you have based your value as a human being only and solely on what you do. I think immediately of a quote that I heard many years ago, and it is as follows. Whether you win or lose at the rat race, you are still a rat. And the fourth reason for blurry vision is a focus only on income. The only reason you entered your career, the only reason you launched your business that you have is because of the income potential and nothing else. Not because you wanted to develop skills, not because you like the product or the service, not because you were trying to meet some short-term income goal, but literally only because that particular career made money. Now, I have no problem with anyone setting up their life to live where the money resides. Really, I don't. Please be in your bag. Please do. But do not lose yourself along the way. Now, to recap, the first reason we can operate in incongruence, other people. The second reason we can operate in incongruence, blurry vision. So then the third reason, we might just be blind and deaf to it. Well, let me explain. Someone may be blind and deaf to their values. I've actually seen this several times in coaching sessions with clients. They never let themselves get still enough or quiet enough to identify what's important to them or what's true for them to begin with. Almost like boredom, slowing down to think is a death sentence or something to be avoided at all costs. Can I share a novel concept? Boredom isn't necessarily bad. In those seasons of silence, of distraction-free living, we can reconnect with what's actually important. Last year, some people spent more time at home with their immediate family than they had in the past decade. What? While there are many possible reasons for blindness and deafness to our personal values, from trauma and disappointment to an addiction to busyness, in today's episode, I want to really limit the root causes to just two of what could be several others. The first one being our always-on lifestyle. And the second one, our toxic relationship with technology. Now, let's tackle the always-on lifestyle first. Some of you are very familiar with Moore's Law. This concept of computing power doubling every two years. Well, depending on who you ask, we're probably pacing closer to computing power doubling every 12 to 18 months. Now, even though computing power, technology, and all the like is going at breakneck speed, our human bodies, minds, emotions, and yes, even some of our natural abilities don't always move that fast. And they probably shouldn't. There is no shortage of scientific research, empirical studies, and good old common sense that demonstrates the importance of good, healthy, minimally processed foods prepared at home, which take time, right? 
the impact to our vision, our physical bodies, and mental well-being of constantly staring at screens or constantly sitting down, the value of exercise or, my gosh, even regular movement, all of the things that help us live our best lives physically. But in reality, it's hard to practice in day-to-day life. Now, this isn't about a guilt trip or a finger-scraping lecture. I'm not trying to guilt anyone else or myself, quite frankly, about these things. I am not perfect at this either, and I see myself in this list as much as anyone else. I bring it up here in the context of this conversation about blindness and deafness to our values because there's a cost to being that busy all the time. And for some, it shows up in our inability to identify what we actually and personally care about. Beyond our always-on lifestyle, another reason for blindness and deafness to our personal values is what is sometimes our toxic relationship with technology. Constant stimuli from our tech can be hard to shut down to allow for reflection. We've got our smartphones and apps, our Netflix series, our streaming services, our tablets and laptops, our satellite radio and our car, gaming on all of the devices, our social media, and on and on and on. Our world isn't set up to give us time to think, time to be still and know, time to listen to, well, whatever you want to call it, intuition, if you want to call it, the voice of knowing, the universe, still small voice, to spirit. This voice will tell you if you are being inconsistent externally with who you are internally, but it won't yell. You have to make room for it, or you will never hear it. I love that we're seeing an increased awareness of the importance of balance in our use of tech. In fact, the Center for Humane Technology was behind last year's release of the documentary, The Social Dilemma. That documentary placed a spotlight on our addiction to technology and social media and has done quite a bit of interesting research on the subject. Now, warning. It is a rabbit hole that you can get lost in, and it will probably freak you out once you get in there. But if you are interested in learning more about this and some of their findings, including attempts to spread awareness, the website is www.humanetech.com. We'll put a link in the show notes to that as well. And then the fourth and final reason that I'm going to be addressing today is it's interesting because it's a double-edged sword. Attempting to build our weaknesses instead of exploiting our strengths. I call it a double-edged sword because there are things that we don't just get to tap out of in life because we don't want to do it or because it's hard, because we're not good at it. If that were the case, I would never wash my car again. (laughs) The fact is everyone has areas of opportunity, but may I suggest that the greatest opportunity lies in growing your strengths and not fixating only on your weaknesses? I highly recommend Marcus Buckingham, co-author of Strength Finders and Now Discover Your Strengths, to name a few of several books he's published. He was a senior executive at the Gallup organization before stepping into his own full-time consulting firm. If this concept of leaning into your strengths is new to you, I highly recommend his work. You can find him and his latest projects at www.marcusbuckingham.com. And there are several assessments that I think you'll enjoy. Again, check the show notes for a link to his site as well. I had the pleasure to see Marcus speak live a couple of years back, and he redefined strengths in a way that I never forgot and that I will leave you with today. 
What if we thought of a strength as an activity that strengthens us when we do it? And a weakness as an activity that weakens us when we do it? Now that we've defined congruence, incongruence, and we've explored potential root causes for incongruence, I want to activate our conversation with a case study. I'm going to share a story with you, and I'm going to ask you to pause the podcast for a few moments to give yourself time to consider the root cause or causes that could be at play. A few years ago, I was living and working in Chicago, and at the time, I had been accepted to attend a women's leadership workshop that was hosted by a top MBA program. I, during that season of my life, was considering pursuing an MBA, and in addition to appreciating and finding the topics that were going to be covered during this workshop, very interesting, I also wanted to get a feel for the program and some of the, the students and the faculty that were connected to the program. While I was there at this workshop, I met a second-year MBA student, and as we were chatting about what I did as a life and business coach, that caught her attention. She proceeded to tell me that she had amassed $120,000 in grad school debt, but that she had just been hired to work at a prestigious management consulting firm, making a very strong high five-figure salary, plus with bonus, over six figures. Her new company is one that most of you would probably be very familiar with if I were to say the name. But in, for some reason, in a moment of authenticity, she shared with me that she still didn't know if that's what she wanted to do. She also mentioned that she went to please her parents. Now, consider the situation and all of the reasons that I shared are possible root causes of incongruence. Can you identify three reasons you think were at the root of her incongruence? This is where you can pause this episode and give yourself time to reflect. When you're ready, hit play for my comments. Okay, do you have your reasons? How many of you immediately said her parents were pressuring her? Well, that is a possible reason, but the way that I've given you this information, it's not necessarily clear that her parents were indeed pressuring her. She felt that she needed to do this in order to meet their approval. She never once indicated that they were the source of the pressure. Furthermore, it was quite clear to me that she hadn't taken the time to even consider what she personally wanted, what she was interested in, and what she wanted to do with her life. She seemed kind of blind to it. The third thing that comes up for me is this. Is it possible that she had gotten caught up in the prestige of all of her friends going and doing something high achieving and perhaps feeling as though she needed to have the same sort of success so that other people might see her as valuable and successful too? Frankly, I don't, I don't really give you enough information in this little case study to get to the root of all the possibilities. I don't. The exercise is really to help illustrate that with a real life situation, there are many reasons that we do certain things. And if we never take the time to get still enough to think, we might not ever even realize that we're operating from a playbook that we had no hand in writing. Dear friend, what if your new startup or your job search isn't working because of unforgiveness and bitterness? I know, sounds crazy. But if I hadn't seen it on multiple occasions over the years, I wouldn't even bother with a coaching nugget on this topic. 
This idea that we can compartmentalize our unresolved emotional wounds forever is a myth for most people. Career transition can bring up surprising emotions at unexpected times. For those that have had an extended period of unemployment, the emotional toll is real. Let's get that off of you. Now, let me make an important note right here. I'm not a therapist. This is not counseling. I'll be back after the coaching nugget with some helpful resources that can serve as a starting point for you. But for now, listen in for more. Hey, everybody, Coach Nicole here, and here is your coaching nugget of the day. Our subject today is about forgiveness in your job search. I know, random, but I promise you they're connected. It is just so interesting how many things that I find are connected to some of the reasons why people may not necessarily have the sort of results that they really, really should be having in their job search that have absolutely nothing whatsoever, nothing at all to do with some of the typical on the surface things. Yes, sometimes the reason your job search isn't working is because your resume is trash, right? It's not marketing you. It looks like a job description and it's not helping you at all. Or because you don't know how to interview or because you're not doing the right things or the right combination of things at the right time to do, to have any sort of success in your job search. There's all kinds of really practical, specific, solvable, easy to solve, easy to resolve reasons as to why you might not be having success in your job search. But over the course of the years that I've had the opportunity to work with at this point, hundreds of people in career transition, one-on-one, not to mention the entrepreneurs and aspiring entrepreneurs that I've had a chance to work with. There are a lot of reasons why I see people not obtain their professional goals that have absolutely nothing whatsoever to do with the practical steps of achieving said goal. And one of the ones that has come up in the most recent few weeks I've had with a couple of different clients, and even prior to that, that I'm seeing come up quite often is the subject of unforgiveness. Now, interestingly enough, there are stories that we tell ourselves or stories that we have played out perhaps earlier on in our childhood. Maybe it was from something that we were told as a child and something that really may have caused some sort of pain and experience that we had. That from that experience, then we learned something. That experience taught us something about ourselves, about the world that we live in, about our safety, about what's possible, about what we can hope for and believe for and aspire for. Sometimes we receive labels growing up that were designed to put us in a particular box and what was possible for us wasn't there. Sometimes very essential nurturing and love and support and caring was not provided. That was needed. And I know this is so ridiculous. It feels like for some of you to be listening to something like this when I'm talking about job search, but let me tell you something. If we do not resolve some of these earlier things that may have happened or at a minimum look at it and reflect on it, it can actually play out in the job search in your business launch. Most recent conversations I've had have dealt with folks that are really struggling with actually obtaining the sort of role that they really should be able to attain. Just looking at the credentials, incredible credentials, incredible background, incredible education, but having a hard time because it's almost like a constant force feeding of the value to the intended audience, the intended boss or interviewer or what have you. And that's something that people are going to reject. People don't like to be forced to receive anything, right? Um, on another instance, I'm a pattern of knowing that the person really is qualified for something at this level, 
however, not feeling like they can really achieve it. And so then applying for roles at this level, getting frustrated because the money isn't where it needs to be, or they're feeling overqualified. And this is constant ping-ponging back between knowing they should be here, but then feeling like they're an imposter being here, and then coming down to the level that they're one part of them feels like they should be at, but knowing that they're not, that they already know how to do this and they have done this years and this constant disconnect between the two. All of these things, when we got to the root of it, dealt with a forgiveness issue with a parent growing up because there was a message that they may have received um, from the parent, from maybe a caregiver. In one instance, someone in the school growing up, it could have been all sorts of messages. I'm not going to even pretend or attempt to provide any sort of solutions to all of these things in this little video right here. I'm sharing these things because I want to just make mention that if for some of you, if you're trying to figure out why is it that I don't feel like I can have the things that I say that I want, um, it could be something else going on here. If at the root of what's going on, if you're thinking about somebody from your past, maybe somebody significant, that whenever you think about them, anger or pain or sorrow or grief comes up, it is possible that there could be something there that might need to be forgiven. And I wanted to just pull up this idea of definition of forgiveness. The simplest way of thinking about forgiveness is releasing resentment or anger for a real or perceived wrong. That's the simplest definition. I found a great quote from John Hopkins Medicine and that talking about the benefits of forgiveness could be everything from lowering your risk of heart attack, improving cholesterol and sleep, reducing pain, blood pressure, anxiety levels and depression, as well as stress, right? So there's some very specific physical things that unforgiveness will cause us to struggle with. But I would also tell you that just from my side of the desk, from my side of the phone, from my side of the Zoom meeting or screen, I've lost track of how many people are dealing with things and beliefs that have nothing to do with their reality of what I can see on my side of the desk. It has nothing to do with their qualifications. It has nothing to do with their talents, skills, and abilities, their education and their training, or even frankly, the macroeconomic environment or the marketplace. It has everything to do with something that they are believing from the past because somebody said something they shouldn't have said or did something they shouldn't have done. Forgiveness is not about reconciliation. Not immediately. It is also not about trust. Reconciliation requires a changed behavior from the other person. Trust requires time and consistency to see things play out. And that requires, again, behavioral changes. However, forgiveness is something that you can do completely by yourself. If this isn't for you, that's absolutely fine. But for those of you that have an ear to hear, please hear what I'm saying to you. If there is something, if someone that you are holding unforgiveness against, a parent, a teacher, your last boss, your last company, right? That you worked with that let you go. If there's somebody or something that you're holding unforgiveness against, I want to invite you to consider releasing that. That unforgiveness could very well be holding you from having in the future what you say from your mouth that you want to have. Not everything that is impacting us has something to do with something really practical and tangible. A lot of the time it does. But there are time after time I've seen people where it has nothing to do with the practical. They've got the skills, but the heart isn't right. So let this little message be an invitation to you to just reflect on this. And again, if it's not you, that's absolutely fine. But I've had too many conversations with too many people over the years to recognize that it's not somebody. That's it for me today. I'll put some links and resources in the comments below, including that article that I found from John Hopkins that talks a little bit about the benefits to the physical body of forgiveness.
I think it is worth repeating something I mentioned in the coaching nugget. Even though this particular issue might not be your current trigger, I have seen time and again, job seekers not land a job, not because they're unqualified, but because they haven't dealt with disappointment, anger, grief, and other emotions from the last job. And the longer the search for some people, the greater the resentment builds. That's why I am sharing this today. Each of the resources I mentioned in this coaching nugget can be found in the show notes on your podcast player. I'm including articles from UC Berkeley, the Mayo Clinic, and John Hopkins Medicine. However, if for some reason the links do not appear on your podcast player, you can find them at my podcast website or just contact us at speakpipe.com forward slash congruent conversations and we will get you the information. A regular feature that I'll include in my podcast is a series that I call Client Love, Tales from My Inbox. If we're connected on LinkedIn, you've probably seen them as I always use a heart image when I share them on my social channels. It is essentially an email from either a client or one of the job seekers or new entrepreneurs in my network who might have attended one of my free coaching events. In these emails, they've landed their next job or their first major client and they're excited and they tell me about it. When we're in job search or launching a business, sometimes it's hard to believe we'll ever work again or have money again. It's my hope that adding this segment as a part of the podcast can help you to hear success from others that have been in your shoes and begin to believe that you are next. Hi, Nicole. I have some good news. I followed your recommendations on how to negotiate my salary and OMG, it really worked. The company responded with an offer, 9,000 more than I requested, and they gave me a senior title. Wow, for my first time ever negotiating my salary, that was a very good turnout. Thanks for your guidance and support. I hope to meet you one day after COVID settles down, and perhaps we can meet for lunch at one of your favorite Jamaican restaurants when you come to Miami. When people tell me that all companies stopped hiring or were grossly underpaying due to COVID, emails like this immediately come to mind because that wasn't this woman's story. And it doesn't have to be your story either if you are working a proper job search or business launch strategy. After listening in on today's episodes, you might have some questions. Well, the best conversations are an exchange of ideas questions, and answers. And it's my hope that this podcast will always have the feel of a good conversation. So if you've got a question about career transition or any of the topics that we covered in our episode today, you can submit your question at www.speakpipe.com forward slash congruent conversations. Again, that's www.speakpipe.com forward slash congruent conversations. We'll also add a link in the show notes to this page so that you can record your question. My team and I will be regularly selecting questions that come in to answer on a future episode. I hope I've whetted your appetite for more congruent conversations. If I have, will you consider subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to your podcasts? Google Podcasts and YouTube will be coming soon, and I'll be sure to let you know when it's ready. These little things like subscribing, reviews, sharing with others, they make a huge difference to the success of this show. 
So thank you in advance for doing this. If we're not connected on LinkedIn, let's get connected today. You'll find the social URLs in the show notes for this and all episodes. Or you can simply find me on LinkedIn by my name, Nicole Dunbar, and my company page on LinkedIn, which is Congruency International LLC. Connecting with me on LinkedIn will also give you access to video coaching nuggets and live coaching events that I offer to my social network. And as always, if this was helpful to you, I hope you will tell someone about the podcast. In the show notes, you'll find a link to the podcast website that you can share with a friend. Now that's it for me today. This is Coach Nicole wishing you strength for the journey. Career transition is a marathon. It is not a sprint and we must have strength for the journey. So until next time, we'll speak soon. Take care, everybody. Bye now.